Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and ten, Walsh. Or, 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 any distance down the distance. I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to this edition of the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast. Matt Stagner here with my guy, RKJ. Ron, how are you today? I'm great, Stags. I am fantastic. I'm usually the one that is fresh off a trip to Arrowhead, telling the people how it was with the crowd there, telling the people how the atmosphere was. But the ro- roles have reversed today, Stags. You were the one at Arrowhead on Saturday. How was it, man? Yeah, it was a, the rare occasion that I make a preseason appearance at Arrowhead. But it just so happens I was in town for Kendrick Lamar, and and my yeah. family surprised me with some Chiefs tickets uh, just while we were there. So it worked out. I it was a uh, it was a hot one. We were sitting on the right. sunny side, so I got a we all got a little a little toasty uh, in, in that way. But uh, no, it was good to see. Had a nice view uh, of the field. Got a good feel for uh, how the first and second teams really do feel like they're coming together in a pretty nice way. You got to feel really confident at this point if you're a Chiefs fan watching the first team offense and the first team defense. Um, obviously, the first team offense could not be more efficient than they have been, uh, <laughs> basically scoring a touchdown on every single drive in the preseason so far. And then uh, the first team defense is, is showing up. I mean, I think really when we sit back and look at this offseason and preseason as a whole, most of the things that we predicted or hoped would happen seem to be kind of lining up that way. A lot of a lot of the young players have stepped right into the roles that we thought they were drafted for and and they're performing completely as expected or better. Uh, and so if that continues to be the case, it's going to be a fun season because the to have the youth movement and the success at the same time I think is going to be is going to make this a really fun team to watch. So uh, that was that was just my quick impression of the team overall is that the, these guys are tuned up and ready to go on the first team. And, and the youth movement seems to be, you know, right on schedule, right how you draw it up. Yeah. First of all, on, on the arrowhead, you're right, man, that, that hot, that sunny side when it's September still, man, or, you know, obviously August, it, it gets you, man. And it comes down on you, but it's beautiful. Cause I sit on that side with my season tickets and it's beautiful during the winter, man, when that sun's on you and it's cold, it makes life a lot easier, first of all. But, man, you're right, dude. That, that is that is the thing. I, I'm impressed with this team through two games as well. You know, uh, you mentioned three drives, three touchdowns. The first the first team also has, is seven for seven on third down conversions. They have not missed a third down yet. And, and you know, they've – I think I, – I noted it in my article, but there's – there was 18, there's 35 total plays they've run and 18 of them have either moved the sticks or scored a touchdown. That's, that's a pretty good rate right there. And I think you're right, man. We're, we're, we're kind of get the lucky experience of, you know, there's an excitement in rebuilding when those teams are rebuilding, you know, you're on the ground level of a team. And then there's also the excitement of being a contender. We're kind of doing a little bit of both at the same time, a little bit as chiefs fans, we're kind of get to experience both in both uh, sides of that fun um, as an NFL fan. So I don't know. We're in a great spot, Sags. It's, it's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. It is a good time to be a Chiefs fan, and it's a, a great time to have a podcast with a mailbag because you guys really brought the questions this week. So I'm excited to, to just di- dive right into these instead of going into a whole bunch of other takes from the game. We've got plenty of good questions to talk about, so let's just uh, let's just go right to it, Ron. Love it. Let's do it, Sags. So from the, the Chiefs pod, the Chiefs pod on Twitter – 
What are your pro- projected sack totals over unders for the big dogs? Uh, 55, 56, 95, 8, 51, etc. Uh, Ron, you have some overall individual performance. Yeah, no, first of all, Chiefs pod. I mean, come on, you're stealing our thunder here a little bit. We're the Chiefs pod around these parts, so you, you can't be you can't be stealing our thunder too much, but uh, no, appreciate the question. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. No, there's there's definitely some some big dogs on this defensive line and trying to set some over-unders, man. I'm not Vegas, but I do think I have some good logic behind these stags. So hear me out real quick. I'm going to just I'm gonna run through them real quick, and then you can go one by one after. So Frank Clark, I have at six and a half sacks over-under. I think, you know, his, his career high for, for the Chiefs is eight. I think, you know, six, you know, six or seven is kind of that teetering of like, you know, is it a good season or not? I think that's a good number. Carlotta's I have at five and a half. I think that's just a solid number for a first-round rookie. Chris Jones, nine and a half, right? It's either 10 sacks or not. That's that's the important number. That's what's important for Chris Jones. Carlos Dunlap, I have the same numbers. Carl Loftus, five and a half. And then Mike Dana, since he mentioned him, I have it three and a half, which would be, if he goes over that, would be his career high. So from the start, Stags, Frank Clark, six and a half sacks. What are you feeling there? Yeah, not bad. I mean, I think you got a career in uh... – as a bookie after this, if this doesn't go well for you. <laughs> oh, you think? You think? Nice. Frank, <laughs> Frank at six and a half feels if I think I would take the over this year. Um, just, just feeling optimistic about Frank. Um, I don't know that he's going to have a 15 sack performance, but I think he can get to seven or eight pretty, pretty easily. So I'll take over on Frank, but just barely. I think I'm with you on that. What about George Karloftis? So five and a half. All right, so as you well know, my pre-draft analysis and post-draft analysis of, of, of Karloftis was expect four to six sacks. That's what I think. That's what I said, four <laughs> to six. So th- this is still in that range. Um, now, after watching this weekend and last weekend, what I was worried about with him is that that what he did in college wouldn't translate into NFL blocking. It appears that it does translate and that he's going to be able to do what he does at the NFL level. And if, if these first two preseason games are any indication, he might stumble his way into almost a sack a game. I mean, there's going to be games where he doesn't right? But like if, if he just keeps fighting through blocks the way he's doing it now and being relentless like that, he's going to get some second and third effort sacks. Maybe there's one per game or nearly one per game available to him. So I'm going to take the over on Karloftis now. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say reasonably comfortably. Let's let's say he's in. He doesn't get one per game, but let's be conservative and say one every other game, and say he he gets to that eight eight sack mark, which would be a, a phenomenal number for him this year. Right now, you had the you had the chance, Stags. You had the chance to be the biggest Karloftis hater in in Chiefs Kingdom right there. If you hit the under, I was I was a little <laughs> worried for you. I was a little worried you were going to go there. I'm glad you went over because I agree with you, man. You're right. It, it's not even necessarily that he's this, you know, that he's this dynamic rusher or anything. And he's going to, you know, that's why he's going to get these sacks. That motor is there, man. And, and that relentlessness, like you said, and I really do think he's going to end up maybe playing as many snaps as any other defensive end on the team. So at that point, man, you just walk into more than five and a half sacks. You, you'd hope so, at least. We know Frank Clark only got four last year. So, you know, but hey, I, I think there's a little bit of a an effort difference between the two. Uh, you know, I, I love Frank, but there's that motor is hard to replicate. But I'm gonna go Chris Jones. I'm I'm gonna talk Chris Jones here at nine and a half stags. Is that a good number for you? Yeah, it's a great number. Um, man, I, I'm feeling like a homer here going over on all three of the main pass rushers here. Um, but yeah, I think Jones is back in double digits again this year, and I think comfortably so. Uh, you know, give me twelve ish for for Jones on the season. So I, I think I think he's comfortably over that mark as well. I agree with you there, Carlos Dunlap, five and a half. This one's a little tricky. Yeah, I'm going to go under at this point because it was just reported, I think even today, that the reason Dunlap hasn't been practicing or playing uh, is the probably the the worst uh, word for all Chiefs fans <laughs> when it comes to injuries. Uh, it's an Achilles. Now, they didn't say it was a tear or, or surgery or anything like that. But when your Achilles starts acting up, I feel like that's a bad omen for his health this season. Uh, if he's not healthy, he's not on the field that much. And these other guys are 
are performing or exceeding expectations, then, you know, the focus isn't going to be on let's get make sure we get Dunlop his. So I'm going to go under for him uh, and just say it, some of it might be a, an availability issue. Yeah, that's why it's tricky. You know, I'm, I'm glad you caught that because, yeah, it is a big story right now. I think, you know, an Achilles is something that, you know, every football player obviously needs, but it really helps you explode, right? It really helps that that burst off the line, I think. And if you're not feeling well in that area, I don't think you're going to be playing very well, uh, you know, as a pass rusher. So, but it's also tricky because I think he's had six, at least six sacks the last like 10 plus years or something. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of a pride thing for him, I think. And, and you kind of mentioned, he kind of mentioned that when he talked to the media um, earlier this mm-hmm. training camp. So, it's interesting, yeah, you know. Maybe his Achilles heel this year, you know. So. <laughs> God. Oh, no, Sags. All right. Oh, God. We're, <laughs> we're starting the puns early here. All right. Mike Dana, three and a half. What are you thinking there? Hey, man, I've gone over on just about everybody else. I'm going to go under three and a half for Mike Dana. Um, not that he's a bad player, just he's just not that much of a pass rusher. And uh, he'll he'll eat up some snaps. He'll, he'll help you against the run. Um, you know, so I'll go under on, on him. Yeah, and and three again is Mike Dana's career high, so that's why I put it at three and a half. And yeah, I think you're right because I don't. I think he's going to probably see the least amount of playing time he's had so far in his career, maybe this year. Um, just because, well, you know, hey, if Dunlap's you know not healthy, then maybe not. But there is the also the flip side though that he is playing a little more on the interior and pass rushing situations, which you know that could you know help him run into a few more sacks too. So. It is interesting, but yeah, I'm with you on. I, I think I agree with you on all of those. I'm, I'm not gonna lie; I don't like agreeing with you too much, Stag. So let's move on and try to try to disagree on some stuff. Yeah, it's a bad policy. Uh, Jake Wilson at Jake for now, our guy. This year's draft class looks likely to test Spagnolo's tolerance for rookie playing time. What is the maximum number of defensive rookies that we could see on the field together? That's an interesting question. Yeah, because he mentions Fenton's injury is, is linked. You know, we don't know if it's it's a long-term injury or not. So if it does linger and Josh Joshua Williams, the rookie, gets early PT, and he, he asks, does it limit reps for Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, Jalen Watson, et cetera, which I get his point, right? It's like, okay, we can't throw all these guys out there. But at the same time, especially at the cornerback position, I mean, these guys have been getting those reps, right? We're not talking about throwing guys into the fire, you know, uh, because, you know, after going to the second and third team all training camp and preseason. You know, I, I guess Watson and Williams haven't necessarily gone with the first team. Well, Williams has, I should say, in the, in the nickel, I guess. Well, no, Fenton, Fenton just got hurt, I guess. So I'm talking all around myself. But all that to say, it's just there, there's they've been getting the playing time, especially a guy like Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. They've been getting those reps. Well, and, and you notice that Jake doesn't say how many starters are they going to have on defense? How yeah. many are they going to see on the field together? And, and I think it's a good question because you've got Karloftis who's going to get 50% of the snaps or more. I think that's you can lock that in right now, right? So he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, Leo Chanel is probably going to be your majority Sam linebacker, so we'll see. I mean, who sure cares if so. he's a starter or not? He'll get plenty of snaps. So you, those guys can be on the field together. McDuffie's going to be on the field all the time, right? He could be a hundred percent snap guy or close to it. And then, yeah, Williams or Watson filling in there, and Brian Cook being your third, your third safety. I mean, how many is that? What is that? Is that five? Is that almost half your defense? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to play significant snaps and likely together. So I think the answer is, yeah, it will absolutely test his tolerance. You know, I mean, that's the case. And yeah, the maximum number is probably five, right? It's, it's hard to see another rookie squeezing in with those five on the field together. Um, but the interesting part about this, I mentioned corner, you know, Joshua Williams has, has been impressive, right? He's made some, he's made some plays in, in training camp, but man, Jalen Watson, you know, he's, he's been very impressive to me. And I know it's not been at the same level um, in terms of where, you know, Williams is playing with the ones more than, than Watson has in the preseason and stuff. But Watson has still been very impressive stags. And I don't know, they're both rookies. One of them played in the Pac-12 last year. The other played in D2. Like, is it that crazy to think that maybe like Watson could, you know, surpass Williams at some point um, because one of them is going to have to play, you know, very significant staff snaps. And I don't know, maybe it comes down to it where a guy that's played major college football, you know, maybe he's more ready for it right away than Williams. I don't know. I, I just think I've been really impressed with him. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Williams was one of the big stories of training camp, partially because we felt like he came out of nowhere, and partially because I think you get a look at those big physical players, the big long, the long arm guys in those one-on-one drills, and in what you see in St. Joe, it's not exactly the same as a game situation. And sometimes those physical traits make a guy look more impressive in camp. And then when the games actually come on, then you see who's who's more ready. Uh, and, and so maybe that's what we're seeing now is that that Williams has the impressive physical traits, uh, but but Watson may be more ready, you know, to contribute. And right. I think he's Watson's taken his lumps, but he's learned from him. And I think there's been a few plays that jumped out at me. I mean, that the play that I love from this last week's game was, you know, he was he had a blocker completely on him and was able to to come off of that blocker and make a tackle. I think it was a tackle for a loss even. Mm-hmm. And it was a really a spectacular play, a physical play, you know, that showed great awareness of where he was on the field, physicality and, and technique to be able to, to, to make that play in the run game. You know, I think that alone says to me that this is a guy that you can put on the field and, you know, he's not going to hurt you. And, and I think you know, he, he might make some mistakes, but he sure seems like he's got the short memory uh, required to bounce back from that. So, I think the arrow's pointing straight up on Watson. Uh, I think I think Williams is is still. I don't think Williams has fallen off. I think he's. I right, think he's right. he's going to be a contributor this year for sure. But I didn't expect prior to training camp. I didn't expect Watson. I th- he felt like a practice squad pick to me at, at the time. Uh, now I think he's firmly on the fifty three, and and he might get. I, yeah, I think we might be in agreement that he's he's going to get. A, he might get a full chance to uh, to contribute, maybe even ahead of Williams. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I think we all saw Williams take those first he, – he was the first guy up, right? And so now in our heads, we're like, okay, well, he has impressed them more. And so we're kind of – you know, it's kind of like, okay, Williams is over Watson on the depth chart. Well, things can change really quick, guys, especially with two rookies, right? None of them have earned the right over the other to, to play. I mean, it, it's definitely – it could change. And I, I do think you get to week one maybe and – Again, a guy who's played D2 football, like maybe, maybe, a, you know, maybe it just looks a little too big for him once we get there. But I'm not saying it does yet. Um, I'm, you know, it's more hypotheticals. I just really am impressed with J- Jalen Watson. So it's, it's good we shout him out because I really think he, he's, he's, he's a lock for the 53. I think we all know that at this point, um, obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Now, I know they didn't ask, but, but fellow rookie defensive back Nazi Johnson, do you think he's a lock for the 53 at this point? I kind of feel like he's 50-50. Right. Yeah, he's he's firmly on the bubble and it's because of a guy that that actually showed out a little bit that I think a lot of Chiefs Kingdom is is kind of ready to to maybe see go because they think of him as oh, you know, just a special team or you know, we need to we need to get youth in here and develop cornerbacks and not waste it on a Chris Lamons who is obviously who I'm talking about. But he has a nice pass breakup. He has a nice interception this game and that's only gonna, you know, it's only gonna fuel uh, Dave Tobe's fire as he as he makes the argument for him. And I don't know, it's hard to argue against it right now. I really think, you know, Lamont is is almost wrapped it up at this point, Stags. Yeah, I think from the minute he signed back with the team, a lot of people just put him on their fifty three man rosters because of Dave Tobe, because of the special teams. In you know, even though he's got that pending, you know, legal issue that that's out there. Uh, the Chiefs have shown they'll be patient on legal issues if they if the player's the right fit on the field. And and I think Lamont is that. And and I was impressed with him on defense. I think if he didn't play a snap of defense, he'd probably still be better than a 50% chance to make the roster just for special teams. But on Saturday, he was impressive. Those two plays you mentioned, uh, those were standout defensive plays uh, of that game. You know, at at important times in the game too. I mean, I think even though it's a preseason game, you still have that. You know, there, there's still clutch time. There's still, you know, this this is a time's running out. Somebody needs to make a play, and 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 he did. So to his credit, he's taken advantage of those defensive snaps and and played well. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a really really good chance at at being on the roster. In fact, he might be a it might be a surprise at this point if he's not on the roster. Exactly. No, and and I get it. You know, it's easy to say, okay, he's just a special teamer. You know, it's Tobe's guy or whatever. But I really think, you know, if he's he was almost wasn't wasn't he a Pro Bowl special teamer last year? Or am I maybe not Pro Bowl, but he was recognized as one of the best special teams uh, gunners at least in, in the NFL last year. And 
that's valuable, man. And, and if you're going to have any sort of defensive, you know, uh, play playmaking behind that, you know, hey, that's that's worth the spot on the team. You know, and a couple of people pointed out that the special teams have seen a huge turnover. I mean, there was a lot of the 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 top special teams snap getters from last season, for lack of a better word, that have that, that have left the team. So you you lost a lot of your top special teamers. They might want a little bit of continuity and experience on that group, so it's not just a whole bunch of rookies plus Michael Burton running around out there. <laughs> uh, and Noah Gray, shout out Noah Gray. He actually is the top, the leading special team snapper from last year, which tells you all you need to know because there's a lot of guys gone that that were obviously more important to the special teams than Noah Gray. So it is interesting, and that's that's a great point. But let's move on to uh, a, another hot topic from the game. Um, I think maybe the hottest topic if you're looking at Chiefs Twitter. It's the running game, man, and we got a few questions on it, so I might run through uh, a few of these uh, before we kind of get all into it. But Andrew Reyna at AJ Reyna12 asks, why does our running game suck? Saw a stat showed on the broadcast, 19 attempts for 23 yards, which I believe he is referencing the, I think the first, the starters running backs, I think. Is that what their stat line is, uh, the first two games? I believe. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know exactly which stat he's referring to, but. Um, Nick Russell also asks, Kenyon Drake gets cut. Should the Chiefs pick him up? And is he better than Rojo? SoCal1186 asked, did Rojo play on Saturday? I don't recall seeing him. And Brian Falter, well, there's a lot of questions on the running backs. Jeez, maybe I should just stick on one of these and, and answer them, Stags. Uh, well, da- Dapper Dan actually asked, which potentially cut player would you be willing to claim trade in order to improve the running game? He mentions the Bills uh, running back Blackshear has caught his attention. He's a he, he's a young running back that may not make the team for the Bills, which I get. But it does lead into the Kenyon Drake uh, question that Nick Russell asks. And, and it is it is curious. I mean, I don't know, Stags, you watch this running back group and think, you know, we need to maybe grab even another person and throw in the mix because it's just not that impressive so far. What is your impressions of the running back group? Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly been a disappointment so far. You know, a lot of people – have thought that this is a pretty deep group and and maybe at one point this preseason a lot of people said hey maybe they could trade one of these guys away because they've got some extra depth um and i think that was back when we thought that ronald jones was going to be a contributor right it sure seems like he is not like he you know i think it's it would be a surprise at this point if ronald jones is on your roster and so now you're you're back to to wondering if is it is mckinnon or gore going to step up and, and, and be a difference maker this year. Uh, I know the hype train for Isaiah Pacheco uh, was, was, you know, was in full speed and now maybe has derailed a little bit after the, the results of the last couple of weeks, you can explain away some of it. You know, you can say, well, you know, it's preseason and, and right. they're, they're still getting used to their timing and there's, you know, more of a focus on the passing game and they haven't gotten very many carries and, Running backs need, you know, 15, 20 carries to get into a groove and, and, and all of that stuff. Perfectly valid potential excuses, but it, it, it is starting to be a pattern. And, you know, when Shane Bouchelle is, is by far your leading rusher, uh, it, it's probably not a good sign for your team. Um, that, that's the way it was this week. Bouchelle had 35 yards. The rest of the team had 38. Um, and, and so – it is not uh, um, it's not a good place, and I'm not sure if it's blocking. I'm not sure if it's it's running backs or some combination thereof. Um, maybe it's just the vanilla nature of the of the preseason, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to be concerned at this point. Yeah, I, but I you know you mentioned you don't we don't know for sure if it's blocking or not. Um, you know, it does it, to my eye. It does seem like it's kind of the same issues we saw last year, which especially in the second game, I think it was a little more obvious that there's times where, yes, they got, you know, the yards that were maybe there or maybe, you know, that, that, you know, the bare minimum of what they can get on a, on a carry based on what, how it's blocked and everything that did seem to be the case on a few runs um, on Saturday. Clyde run pops out to me first, you know, first part of the game. You know, if we, if there's a dynamic back taking that, you know, run, there's a chance it goes for 40, 50, but it's, it's someone that's following the blocks and doing his thing. And again, maybe that's what the focus is right now. Maybe he's not focused on hitting the big, the big home run run right now. Maybe he's folk, which doesn't really make sense to me, but you know, there, there are some things with the vanilla 
flavor of the offense that maybe it does just, you know, get in these guys' heads where they're just trying to, they're just trying to, you know, do the bare minimum in the preseason. That's fine, but it does seem like that still continues to be a problem. You know, you mentioned the Pacheco hype chain, maybe Darrell in a little bit. It shouldn't, right? Because this should be what we kind of expect from a seven, you know, a seventh round running back that's getting any sort of time is that, yeah, there's going to be some issues like vision, right? I think we all kind of said that vision was going to be an issue. And now we see it in a game. And we're like, oh, wow, holy crap. Wait a second. Yeah, it, it was going to be an issue. I called him Niall Davis for a reason. And I still think he could be Niall Davis, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, Niall Davis is a pretty damn good player for the Chiefs. Um, so all that to say, I, I'm not like super concerned about it, but it does seem to be the same issues we've seen in the past. And hey, this team still went to plenty of Super Bowls and plenty of AFC championships with a mediocre run game. Um, I still think they can do that if that's the case. I was just really hoping that it may be a little, uh, might be a little bit more of the, the part of the success this year. Right now, it doesn't feel like it. Right now, it feels like we're going to still be a very pass-first offense that the run game kind of just is what it is, you know? Yeah, it, I don't see adding another running back being uh, right. a high priority for this team, and, and nor would that necessarily solve the issue. I think in the past, the running game has been a little bit predictable. So when they ran the ball, other teams were – you know, it seems like those, those gaps and the holes closed up pretty quickly because – it, they sort of telegraphed when it was going to be a run yes. uh, it, the few times that they actually did run the ball. And, and so that can continue to be an issue, especially in the preseason when they're not really right. throwing the whole playbook at them. Uh, so I'm willing to give it some time, but you sure would like to see them establish something on the ground at some point. Uh, I definitely think there's some offensive line stuff going on, especially when you get past that first unit. So one of the questions here uh, from Don Julio was about Lucas Niang. Uh, I have heard zero news about Lucas Niang. I, I would expect that he would probably be on the PUP when the season starts, which means uh, he'll be out for, for the first nearly the first half of the season. I think he can practice after six weeks and, and back in the game after eight, if I remember right. Um, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to see Lucas Niang anytime soon, if that's the case. Uh, but – I don't know what the other answers might be on the offensive line. I don't think it's Jaron Christian. I don't think it's uh, Roderick Johnson. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're probably they they probably could benefit from a better run blocker at right tackle, but I'm just not sure who that's going to be uh, at this point in the season. Maybe that's the position that we ought to be talking about a potential uh, waiver wire add is is if a right tackle uh, uh, becomes available. Or trade. The Patriots are entertaining the trade of Isaiah Wynn, the former first-round pick. Um, that has come out recently. It sounds like the Raiders might be in on that, which makes sense. Josh um, Josh McDaniels is there. He's he was the offense coordinator in New England, so it's a good point. And and you're right, man. I you know I, for all the faults of Niang in terms of what he was as a rookie last year, you know, is, is technically his first year in the NFL. Uh, he he could definitely move dudes, and he could definitely uh, you know make some holes in the run game. And that's not something Wiley's going to be good, particularly good at, right? That's just not. And, you know, maybe there is something to that where, you know, the run game, you know, it, it may struggle a little bit to that right side, particularly, um, you know, compared to if Niang was in there. So, you know, it's well, a good what, what we're talking about that, I saw Laszlo's question, didn't see much of Darren Kennard. Is it safe to say that he's out? Um, I don't know that Kennard is, is out in, in the sense that he's not going to make the roster. I think any dreams that we had of him being the next Trey Smith uh, and, and being a, a day one starter as a rookie and dominant. I, I think that that's clearly not happening this season. Um, but I, I think he's probably still going to make the roster. Don't you? Yes, I agree. It's, it's a fifth round pick. It's a rookie. You know, it, it, you've invested a draft pick in him. Um, I, I don't think he, he is that, or I do think he's going to make the team. Um, I, yeah. Safe to say he's out is definitely a stretch. Um, I do think there's a chance, right? I do think there's a chance they got him in here and note and, and kind of realize, well, maybe there's not, you know, maybe it's not what we thought, but it just doesn't seem like that would ever turn into cutting a, a dude before, you know, cause he's not going to make it to waivers, right? There's definitely going to be, or not going to make it to free agency. There's definitely going to be, you know, someone that picks him up on the waiver wire just because of who he was as a prospect. Cause you know, a lot of teams looked at him as a guard and, and maybe valued him pretty high as a guard, maybe compared to tackle, but that's the thing. Yeah, I, I haven't seen, seen anything that's been impressive, but just the draft capital itself. And, you know, what the Chiefs don't have, you know, these great backup offensive tackles anyway. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like that's going to 
prevent them, um, you know, from keeping Kennard. So, yeah, Kennard's definitely going to stay on the team. Maybe one more question before we get to the break here. Just a dreamer. Can Watson be a, a serious weapon on offense? His connection with Pat seems to be legit. What's your thought on Justin Watson at this point? Well, and then I'll bring in Mark Morin's question too. Uh, with what we've seen so far from Watson, is it out of the question that he will begin the season as wide receiver three, Juju wide receiver one, MVS wide receiver two, and Sky wide receiver four, McColl remaining as a gadget player when needed as well as the punt returner? which I, I really like the detail that Mark went into this question. Obviously, shout out Justin Dreamer for asking tons of questions himself. And this is a really good topic, man, because it's something I'm really thinking hard about. I wrote about Justin Watson the past two weeks because he keeps becoming, he keeps being the biggest name in the offense after the game. And it is interesting, man. I mean, you talk about this, this new receiving core, you know, maybe struggling with chemistry with Mahomes right at first or just maybe not knowing each other right at first. That's it it's a fear of ours, right? Or, or it's maybe just something we anticipate. Maybe, maybe this whole going down to Texas, maybe we shouldn't overrate it too much, man. Cause I, Justin Watson appears to have great connection with Mahomes, great chemistry. I mean, Saturday was a great example. You talk about just the first play, right? We all, we've all seen it a million times now, but you know, the blitz is coming. Mahomes has to get rid of it quick, but he stands tall in the pocket, delivers a, a beautiful pass, perfect pass to, to Justin Watson for a big gain. You know, it, it's just he had so much confidence in where that ball was supposed to go. He had so much confidence that Watson was going to be there. Dude, there's a guy you know, screaming at him in his vision, right? Because it's coming from his right side, not his blind side. He can see the dude coming, just stands in there, doesn't even think about it, and delivers a perfect ball. I do think there is something to that where, you know, he, he, was, he just knew Watson was going to be there where he needed to be. And then you talk about the second play. It's a completely different kind of chemistry, right? He's out of the pocket. He's scrambling around trying to find something to do. Well, what do you know? Justin Watson happens to be in the perfect place to complete the pass and get a first down. So yeah. it's crazy. Their chemistry together and, and it's noticeable. And Mahomes keeps telling us about, it. he told us in June, he told us all training camp. Mm-hmm. It is start. It is started to get to the point where why can't Watson, you know, penetrate this receiving core and be a legitimate part of, of the first team offense. Yeah, absolutely. There is something to that, that first play. First of all, you don't blitz Mahomes, like that, <laughs> yes. that, that's that's what that is. But no, his his chemistry with Watson is noticeable. It it looks like I, I don't know how else to say it, but it looks like a professional quarterback throwing to throwing to a professional wide receiver. Right. And after the last few years, that's not something that you expect on every play, right? And it, it's it's not something that you expect from the Chiefs' fourth or fifth wide receiver or sixth wide receiver. Uh, he is clearly running the route he's expected to run. He's he's got the size and the speed, you know, to go up and get it wherever Mahomes puts it. And what I do really like about that second play, the stri- the scramble drill play, receivers are generally taught to come back to the quarterback in a scramble drill like that. Um, that's what you do, you you know, because the quarterback's running to his left. There's no way any human quarterback is going to be able to throw back to their right, running to their left. So you've got to, you would expect that somebody else would follow Mahomes, you know, to the left there and break back towards him. But Watson knows already what Mahomes can do and is willing to do. And, and he broke off towards the middle of the field where Mahomes saw the opening. They saw it at the same time. And he, and he didn't quit on the play. He didn't stop. He ran right in the direction uh, of the open field and and with the confidence that Mahomes can make that throw running to his left, throwing back to his right, that you just don't see from other quarterbacks. So uh, all of that to say, yes, I think uh, Mark's on to something here. I don't have any issue with, with uh, Watson potentially being as high as wide receiver three or higher on some, some weeks you may see Watson be a, a really significant portion of this offense unexpectedly so but it, maybe we shouldn't be that surprised by it if you look back to last season there's a lot of wide receiver snaps to go around a guy like Demarcus Robinson saw a ton of snaps and a fair amount of targets last season no longer with the team there's no reason why uh, Justin Watson couldn't be at least in that Demarcus Robinson role and pretty likely more successful at it um, you know, and, and therefore you, know, you can see, you know, Juju and MVS maybe having 
uh, you know, sort of alternating games where they have a big game, and uh, and maybe Sky's production isn't sky high his rookie season, right? Maybe he's maybe he he works his way into it like most Chiefs receivers do or any Reed receivers do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I think at this point we have to expect him to be involved. And if that means that he's a wide receiver three on a lot of weeks or, or even higher, um, I don't think we should be that surprised by it at this point. Yeah, I mean, there is something to the fact that we haven't seen Mahomes hook up with, with Sky Moore yet uh, once in the preseason. He, he targeted him a couple times on Saturday, but, you know, no completions yet. We've seen, you know, we've seen a couple really nice completions to Watson. And, you know, there is something to, you know, I know Watson is this, maybe a lot of people didn't know who he was, but, man, you go back and watch him in Tampa when Jameis Winston, towards the end there in the Jameis Winston era, he really did start to come on as a receiver for Jameis. He caught a couple touchdowns that last year. He really started to become sort of a weapon. And as soon as Brady gets there, I, you know, I, I probably said it on this pod before, but I just feel like Brady's influence maybe just you know bringing his own receivers in. I think Watson just kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I don't think it was because he was this you know receiver that couldn't get on the field, right? So I think he's kind of proven it that he's always been maybe this player. He just needed an opportunity. And again, to speak on Mark's point real quick, I do think there's there's something we need to consider with, you know, I've mentioned that I have a fear that McColl, as someone that I wanted him to maybe take that step and be, you know, maybe a, a legitimate wide receiver in this offense. If they have enough receiver weapons, he might just have to still be that that maximized gadget player. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if the rest of the receivers are going to perform well, right? I think McColl is really good in that role. We all just want to see him take that step. But if we have a good amount of receivers around him to do the legitimate receiver stuff, I don't have to force him to be that guy. And he can just continue to be what he was towards the end of last year, which was a really effective, you know, efficient playmaker. I think that's something that we might have to see. I, 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 cause it's not, you know, when you're McColl in that situation, you're not a wide receiver two or three, you're kind of just your own player in the offense. You're, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of separate from the receiver rotation. So it is interesting. I'm, I'm glad Mark pointed that out. Cause I, I do. Oh no. All right, well, Ron, I think it's just about time for us to pay some bills, take a little break, but do you have a would-you-rather for us this week? Of course, Stags. And last week, we went, we went a little more serious, right? We were kind of, you know, we went with the roster movement. This this week, we're, we're making a little, and we're tugging at the heartstrings a little bit. Would you rather, Chiefs fans, and you have to choose one, would you rather see the Chargers, the Raiders, or the Broncos win the AFC West this year? coming up next we'll be right back with the answer to the worst would you rather ever (laughs) after this break stick with us on the arrowhead pride podcast network support for this podcast comes from planned parenthood your body is your own that's why planned parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies including abortion care Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the podcasts on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. This podcast, though, is, is asking a really difficult question of its co-hosts to answer. Stags, you have to be the one to do it first, though. Would you rather? You have to choose one. 
see the Chargers, Raiders, or Broncos win the AFC West? All right. So it's, I hate this question. It's the worst question ever. But I'm going to say the Chargers because at least then you could say that the you know they've got a good quarterback. They've got a good roster. Uh, it's a team that should have a shot at winning their division if it were any other division other than the one that features Patrick Mahomes. So I would say you could you could argue that if the Chiefs lost the division to the Chargers, you could you could chalk that up to say, hey, lost to a good team, the Chiefs probably still get the wild card and you know have a better shot in the playoffs because of Patrick Mahomes than, than Justin Herbert. So I'm gonna go with the Chargers there reluctantly. Yeah, no, I understand. It's it's not an easy question to answer, but but hear me out, Sags. Hear me out. Because at first it's going to sound terrible, but Raiders win in the AFC West. Think about it. Chiefs go to go in the playoffs, have to visit the Raiders. Who else would you rather play in the playoffs than Derek Carr and the Raiders? I mean, I would, and especially if we have to go on the road for one game, you know, obviously if we're, if we don't win the division, we probably got to go on the road for all the games, but it, it, I, I'm thinking of it from a Chiefs perspective. We're going to make the playoffs. If we have to lose, and you know it would be funny to see the Chargers again not not make the playoffs. I mean, how hilarious would that be? Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going Raiders because it'd, it'd be it'd be nice to see them get get excited, get hyped up, and then Derek Carr, uh, you know, kind of reintroduce himself as Derek Carr. So yeah, that's just tough, man. If you grew up in the Schottenheimer era, it's pretty <laughs> hard to uh, it's pretty hard to root for the Raiders in, in any way, shape, or form. But no uh, doubt, no I doubt. see your point with the easy path to the playoffs. It's well, that's valid, the other. But, that's but the hurt. other thing too is is the Chargers and Broncos do have the quarterbacks. I mean, I I, I would say both of them do definitely have the Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Obviously, Herbert hasn't proved it yet, and I know that's you know it's a big step for him. But I, I think Carr is is pretty much proven he's not a Super Bowl quarterback. I you know I'll eat my words if I have to, but I mean I I'm not, I have no fear seeing Derek Carr in the playoffs. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's get back to the people's questions. We had some other good ones. Uh, how about Ruben M at CA style underscore 805? Who's better now and who has more potential to be the best linebacker of the future, Nick Bolton or Willie Gay? That's a tough question. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and it's why I've been saying it pretty much since the draft, but I really do think the Chiefs have the best line. Well, not the best. I should, Sorry. One of the best linebacker duos in the NFL, um, you know, groups in general, I think, uh, linebacker cores, but especially duos, man. And you're talking about who's better now. I mean, it's kind of hard to say it's not Nick Bolton. I think he kind of proved it last year. I know it was only his first year and it was Willie Gay's second, but in terms of being a consistent playmaker, earning the trust of the defensive staff to, to play on those more important downs at, at some points. I mean, we're seeing it right now. He's playing the dime defense over a guy like Willie Gay who – you think would project to maybe fit that dime defense more. Now, I, I know we've talked about how Spags does want a mic in there, and I think that's where Nick Bolton comes in. But all that to say, I think Nick Bolton is the better linebacker. But, man, Willie Gay has a big, the higher ceiling, does he not? I mean, this guy is a guy that could be a playmaker in both the run and the pass game. And so I think Nick Bolton has really started his career hot and is a really good player right now for what he needs to be. But, I mean, in terms of who has more potential – I mean, Willie Gay has the potential to be the best linebacker in the league, in my opinion. I mean, he has that sort of athleticism. He has that sort of playmaking ability, which that's how you become the best linebacker in the league in today's NFL. You need to be a playmaker in the pass game, especially. And so, yeah, I, I definitely say Willie Gay is a, the higher ceiling linebacker. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I can't argue with that. Um, I definitely have had a lot more hope for Willie Gay just because of that athleticism. And, and I think he seems to be putting it all together now, so it's exciting to watch. Uh, I'd like to see him be that playmaker, you know, and, and I think once you start being the playmaker, once you start turning the ball over, right, and forcing turnovers, making those those splash plays, he'll get more recognition than Bolton, even if Bolton has 120 tackles this year. Right, right. If, if, uh, if Willie Gay Jr. has five interceptions, you know, then we're going to be talking about Willie Gay Jr. And so, just just by way of their their style, I think you might you might hear that that Gay is the better linebacker into the future. But yeah, Bolton is is really the glue of this defense. And I think 
you know, when I did those top 20 rankings this offseason, I had Willie, Willie Gay just behind Nick Bolton in the rankings. Um, be glad to see that change if it if it happens to do so. But but yeah, I, mean, I think they've got an opportunity to be considered among the league's best uh, duo if they stay healthy and they continue on the path they're on. And it's going to be it's going to could be a real strength of the defense this year. Now, Ruben did have a second half of his question. NFL comps for each. Do you have comps for either guy? Well, that's the thing with Willie Gay is I know it's easy to say, and, and actually I should you know shout out the uh, you know the old AP guys. They had him comp to Derek Johnson in the draft guide. I mean, doesn't it? Isn't that kind of a natural comp? I think uh, in terms of being a playmaker in both the run and the pass game, being very athletic. I mean, how many pick sixes did DJ have? I mean, uh, we haven't seen it from Willie yet, but I think that's that's the easy comp. But you know, I, I think for Nick Bolton, I don't know why this 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 name comes to my mind but think about like a zach thomas for the miami dolphins just a guy that was just a there was a magnet on the front of his face mask and it went to the ball every single play and you know i I think for you know i I think he's an old school linebacker right i think nick bolton you know 10 20 years ago is like the best linebacker in the nfl i mean because that's all that really mattered back then was 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 coming up you know playing downhill playing in front of you um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think I think Zach Thomas for some reason comes to my mind when I think Nick Bolton. And that duo of Zach Thomas, Derek Johnson would be, a, <laughs> be pretty solid in their in their prime. So, yeah, we'll we'll stick with that. I don't have, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, there are some questions here about like from Dapper Dan um, and and Nick Russell asking about potential cuts from other teams that could in theory in theory improve the chiefs team i know we mentioned it a little bit earlier but do you have any any names that you're watching uh Kenyon drake and, and, and blackshear were the two that were mentioned in the questions here but in, those guys any interest in them or any other potential cuts that you want to talk about yeah i get why he mentions blackshear because that dude has definitely been impressive for the bills and the limited things i have seen um you know, we, we did see the Chiefs put a waiver claim for t- tight end Candle Blanton, the Missouri product. Um, he's played for the Rams. He actually had a pretty big role in the Super Bowl last year. Um, and, and obviously was someone well sought after because the Chiefs were not the only ones who put the claim on him. That's why they didn't get him. Uh, Washington was able to claim him. And so it does kind of make you think, uh, you know, are they looking for another tight end with the Blake Bell injury, which which, po- which is absolutely possible. Um you know, speaking of tight ends, you know, there's a certain one down in Jacksonville that I am uh, especially close to that, you know, is, is, has had an impressive preseason stags. I'm, I'm just saying he's had an impressive preseason, has been blocking pretty well. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But no, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Dapper Dan. I'm way too invested in the Chiefs to really have too much of an opinion on what other teams have who are, you know, on, their, on the end of their 90 man rosters. I'm sorry. It's it's been hard to keep up with the rest of the NFL, uh, you know, while we're covering this 90-man roster here. So I don't have many takes on that, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's a couple out there that, you know, would be interesting to me, maybe like Ty Montgomery, you know, who, who went to the Patriots this year, uh, you know, maybe hasn't carved out a, a big role there. They've been talking about Denzel Mims getting cut uh, from the Jets for a while. That's a good one. You That's know, a good one. If, if, you know, if he were to, to, to be free, then, you know, maybe – uh, I know that even uh, Ernest Johnson from the Browns or, or, you know, obviously everybody will be watching the Brown running back room. If Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, were to, were to find his way off of the roster, then I think there'd be a lot of people excited about that. But um, th- those are, those are a couple that I, that I saw. Um, the only other one that I would maybe be interested in, and you know, I'd be curious to see what the, the Jaguars, uh, uh, do with Caleb on chase on um, he's somebody who was a uh, uh, you know kind of a tweener you know but uh, played with the with Cullen the, the Chiefs defensive line coach uh, could be a, a pass rusher in that you know disappointing first round you know uh, mold uh, maybe even Cleveland Farrell from the from the Raiders uh, also very disappointing uh, just has not panned out but would be a good fit for what Spags likes to do you know, there, there's a handful of guys that are that have been mentioned out there as, as possibilities, you know, as, as being cut. I'm not really sure if any of those guys actually, you know, are released. And if so, if the Chiefs will have any interest. But, um, you know, there's always some 
player movement around this time of year. Yeah, you know, you do mention some good names there, Stags. Uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you did a little bit more research than I did on this topic. Uh, Caleb on is definitely another dude, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end. He is was a first-round pick uh, out of LSU. I, I was a fan of his in that draft class, I remember. And, I mean, honestly, you think about it, you know, that fifth and sixth rusher, the edge rusher for the Chiefs are right now, it looks like Malik Herring, Joshua Kando. I mean, how far off is, is a former first-round pick and Caleb on chase on from giving you what they give you anyway? So mm-hmm. I like that name as an option as well. How about we squeeze in one more question here from David J. Swanson. What is the plan with Shane Bouchelle? Is he the heir apparent to Chad Henney or someone that, that Kansas City will trade for future draft picks? It seems like they want him to be the heir apparent to Chad Henney, right? I don't think he'd be around so so long if they didn't think he had that opportunity. And he definitely, you know, he he shows some things in in the in the preseason. I wouldn't say he's great, um, but I mean, you know, I know the Chiefs know that the Cardinals of all teams, you know, have interest in him, and and maybe there are some other teams, so maybe there is a chance they can dish him for a late round pick. But I don't know. I I, I don't think he's shown enough at all to to really warrant that so i don't know i think right now the plan is definitely to to have him still when when henny's gone and for him to be the qb2 yeah i mean he feels like a career backup at this point i don't know that he's you know shown enough that the teams are going to think he's their future starter and therefore worthy of trading for so so yeah I, i think he's he's destined for the practice squad again and they'll protect him if they if they feel the need to and we'll see what happens after that well, Stags, I think it's a good time to get into market movers. What do you think? Home market, pan market, you name the market, I'm back. Black market? Which market? Stock market? Market movers. So we did a market movers this week, and we talked a little bit about what this team is looking like as they break camp and head back to uh, Arrowhead. They, they finish out the preseason uh, so breaking camp, I thought was a good time to really think about, uh, you know, where some players were were trending, and and I think I think we have a pretty good consensus here. So I, I didn't see a lot of uh, probably super hot takes uh, that I put out there, and we've talked about some of these guys already. I think uh, Justin Watson's probably the biggest mover on this list. He went from a guy that that we hadn't heard of, you know, before camp started or hadn't talked about much, and then all of a sudden he's now you know, uh, trending way up to the point where he might be a significant contributor on offense. I also, uh, as I've admitted already, like where George Karloftis is in his development cycle, uh, I, I think it's it's fair now to be bullish on him, at least up to the level of what we hoped he could be in the pros. Uh, don't, you know, you can still miss me with your Tamba Ali and, and uh, J.J. Watt comps. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not there yet, but, uh, you know, I think for him to be a, a, a snap eater, uh, you know, that, that closes a sack every other game, you know, feels like it's on the table and, and that would be a huge win and a higher uh, expectation than, than I had when the season started. So uh, those are some of the guys I was bullish on. Uh, there's a handful of others that we haven't talked about quite as much, Um uh, Joris Fountain, Noah Gray, uh, Jalen Watson, we talked about, but uh, Jody Fortson is a guy that we haven't talked about yet today. Uh, yeah. Was obviously the star of the game on Saturday in a lot of ways. You know, now that he's healthy again, looking like a monster in the red zone, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a threat to not only just be a change of pace player, but somebody they actually have to start calling some plays for in the regular season, like they started to last season, like they did a little bit in the preseason so far. So uh, watch for Jody Fortson to, to continue rising up the rankings. Yeah, no, seriously. I, I think we all were coming into camp um, or at least at the beginning of camp, it, it did seem like we all were so impressed with Fortson, at least, you know, reports and everything, uh, you know, we're not out there every day enough to the point where it did seem like he was pretty much a second tight end. You know, maybe that momentum falls off a little bit with Gray stepping up and Fortson getting a little banged up. But I think you saw exactly why uh, they, they want to maybe have him on the field the second most snaps out of all the tight ends. And, you know, honestly, I, I, you know, you see Noah Gray make some plays too, um, you know, in, in certain aspects as a receiver, right? I do think there's a chance, Stags, and then this 
points to Fortson playing a bigger role. Like, could we see the the Chiefs make a more of an emphasis this year to to spell Kelsey more in in these situations, like red zone, right? You know, Kelsey's a great red zone weapon, but why not just throw Fortson in there and, and give Kelsey a few snaps off? You know, I I just I there's a chance I think that they really you know maybe utilize Fortson and and Gray more in those eleven personnel sets where they're the, the lone tight end, um, and maybe just give Kelsey a little bit of a break sometimes. I think that's smart. He's he's thirty three years old. I just, I just, when you have this talent in the, in the tight end room too, why not kind of, you know, get the best of both worlds, right? You heard it here, folks. Jody Fortson's now the tight end one, and yes. uh, Justin Watson is the wide receiver one. Those guys are going to be leading this team and, and not the guys you thought, you know, but, you know, in, in, in all seriousness, there's, I think there's room for those guys. And, and I think there's a, there's an opportunity for some back shoulder throws, some fades, some, some go routes that, that maybe just look different with those two players than uh, than some of the other guys on the roster. So uh, why not? Yeah, no, but I, I am excited about Jody. I mean, to come in and, you know, first game back from, you know, each injury, right? He didn't play the first game. Um, so both the Achilles and this training camp injury he's had, comes in right away, scores two great touch. I mean, those are great catches. I mean, those yeah. were absolutely fantastic catches. I mean, and great ball placement, absolutely. But, yeah, Fortson really showed out, man. Those are really impressive plays. And it shows a lot of trust from Mahomes to throw that right, throw those balls up the, the way he did there. So that's, yeah, that was tremendous. Unfortunately, we still have to be bearish on some folks, and and we've talked about most of these guys already. We'll hit on Josh Kando because I think he's somebody that we're still waiting to see him break out. We're still waiting to see him display the athleticism, the ability that he was drafted for. They, everybody gave him the red shirt year last year and, and just sort of assumed that, all right, he's going to be ready this season. Uh, it sure doesn't seem like he's on a path to be a contributor in, in 2022, if he even makes the roster. Yeah, no, he's definitely on the bubble. I've been more impressed with Malik Herring, absolutely. Um, he was a guy I previewed coming into the season. Um, actually, someone that I, I actually previewed last year when he was hurt um, as a UDFA, but Definitely someone I'm excited about. I think we actually, I actually saw him uh, rush from the interior on a snap later in the game. I don't think we've seen that from Kando necessarily, although, hey, I could have just missed it. But I do think there's maybe some inside versatility with Herring. Um, he, he was kind of like that at Georgia. He was kind of a tweener more than just a true edge. And, you know, I think Spags likes that versatility. So I do think Malik Herring is someone to watch out for. And I mentioned Chase on earlier. You know, there's with that sixth edge spot if we're projecting them to keep maybe six defensive ends it could be five but if they do keep six you know i just don't see why not you know there's probably plenty of opportunity plenty of, of players out there that can give you a little more juice and, and pass just right away and that's what you're looking for from kano now if you want to keep developing him i understand when to stick by him but you might have just found someone in malik herring that you may want to put more investment in and kind of you know uh, you know, go away from, from Kando. So I, you know, Kando just yeah, with, hasn't, Kando hasn't proven himself at all. Uh, really. with, with market movers being sort of a stock analogy, we can talk about uh, a, another analogy here. So whenever somebody has a, a stock portfolio and there's, there's a stock that's been down for some time and you're wondering, I think a lot of people tend to behaviorally hang on to those losers for a long time uh, hoping that, that right. someday they'll come back, they'll bounce back, there'll be a growth opportunity there. Uh, but really what you should be doing is looking at this point in time and saying, from here forward, who gives you the best opportunity to grow to, grow, to get to where you want to be? Now, you know, Kando, regardless of how he got to where he is right now, can you honestly say that from here forward, the development for him, the curve for him is going to be you know, more positive than Herring or, or Chase on or, or somebody else off the waiver wire we haven't talked about. It's really, I think, as simple as that is you throw away uh, another accounting and, and finance term, sunk cost. The investment that's in Kando at this, up till this point of time and draft picks and all of that stuff, it, it doesn't matter as much as what happens from here forward. And if you can see, if the coaching staff has seen enough in him to believe that there's a path from where he is now to where they want him to be, then keep him around by all means. If not, let's look for somebody else who's got that upside. Yeah, I think, man, he he comes in as a five-star high school recruit. 
Uh, he, he's like six, seven and, and tested really well athletically. I think a lot of those things factor in, man, but you, you watch him on a football field. I have yet to be impressed really whatsoever, honestly, uh, anytime I've seen Kendo on the field. So yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I think he definitely deserves to be in that category and, and it just means that other players are getting opportunities. So, you know, it, it, we'll see if other players can step up. Well, Rod, are, are you feeling a rant coming on? You know, I am feeling a little ramble coming on, and and it's honestly because I'm I'm, I'm feeling a certain type of way this week, Stags. Um, it is my wedding week, guys. So, uh, you know, congratulations, congratulations to me. I'm patting myself on the back. Uh, no, I just I, I you know there's there are some feelings going through me this week, and, and especially as this Chiefs preseason has, has kicked off, you know, it's it's so obvious, man. This team has so many people covering it for them. Uh, so many people want to break down each play. So many people have the analysis and, and, and great points to make, whether it's, you know, Twitter is probably, you know, usually the main resource. That's what I use. I'm obviously to, to, to you know, follow and, and cover the Chiefs myself. And I don't know, it's just been, it's just been something that's, that's kind of weighed on me recently, just how many people there are um, in this space that we do, Sags, and, and what we do, just wanting to talk about the Chiefs and, and wanting to do it in terms of a, you know, more than just, sitting at the water cooler talking to your coworker, right they want to dive into the, the deep the depths of it and you know sometimes it's it, it it makes me feel like you know why am i like do i deserve to be in this position right do i deserve to be talking about the chiefs do i deserve to be you know um one of these people that you know maybe people look at you know i i somehow ran into a blue check mark i don't know how i did that but it, you know it it makes you even you know supposedly more credible i put air quotes right it's just, you know, I, I can't help but just feel a little thankful, you know, pretty grateful for the people, for the, for the, you know, the listeners. Obviously, if you're listening right now, I'm talking straight to you because if you're listening to, you know, this late in the podcast and you're listening to it at all, that means you support us. And I, and I really appreciate it. It's, it's this position. I'm, I'm, you know, I started as a season ticket holder, just someone that, you know, I, I never thought I'd be in this position to, to talk Chiefs with you guys you know, as, as frankly, you know, part of my living, you know, it's, it's only a part-time career though, guys. And that's where sometimes this anxiety gets to me where it's like, I'd love to do this full time. I would love to talk to you guys about the chiefs every hour of every day, you know, nonstop. I would love to do that, but it's just not possible, you know, and, and, and it's just something that, you know, sometimes I, it it gets to me a little more like, I, I, I wish I could be, you know, uh, more available or I wish I could be, you know, just, uh, I don't know exactly what I'm getting out with that, but just, I, I, I really do. I'm really thankful for just the people who listen to people. You know, I interacted with a lot of you over the weekend. Um, you know, I actually was trying to get rid of my season tickets for the preseason game. Happened to talk to a few of you um, that asked questions and everything. And, and uh, it's just, it's just really cool that, you know, I, I, you know, Stags and I both have built this podcast where, you know, we can interact with you guys, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, and I, you know, I'm very thankful, you know, it's my fourth season doing this and it feels like I'm, I still feel like a rookie, you know, I still feel like I'm, I'm trying to prove myself as, as an analyst and everything. And so I don't know, I, I, all that to say, you know, I, I just am really thankful to be in this spot and I'm thankful for everyone that gives us a shot. Cause I, there are so many people to listen to. There's so many people to follow. There's so many people to interact with in this chief's community. It's just how it is, right? There's such a good team. Even the national media gets into the, this analysis stuff. You know, like a, a guy like Nate Tice and everything. And I don't know. I just I'm feeling really grateful that, you know, I, I'm even in this spot and, and, and one of those people. So shout out anyone that that follows us on Twitter, follows Arrowhead Pride, you know, listens to the podcast channel because you are a goat and and I salute you, sir or ma'am. So shout out you. There's uh, Ron Cobb Jr. Everybody with his Grammy uh, or Emmy Award winning uh, <laughs> acceptance speech. He's he's humbled. He's thanking all the little people that helped him get to where he is. Uh, no, I, I, I kid, but I, I echo the sentiment. I, I do, I do, I am appreciative of the opportunity that we have to talk here in this platform, uh, and, and for all of you for sticking with us. Uh, it's, it's fun to talk Chiefs. It's a fun time to be a fan of the Chiefs with all the great content out there. Uh, yeah. So make sure you're listening to, you know, Ron and BK to the Great British Chiefs Show to the AP Editor Show to. Uh, the coast to coast show. We've got a, a ton of great, uh, pr- you know, shows being produced right here at, at Arrowhead Pride and, and across the Chiefs Network. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great content out there. It is a good time to follow and to listen to create content, uh, and we appreciate you all being here with us, creating content, 
uh, consuming content the way that we all do. Uh, and, and yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to the future. Mrs. RKJ Ron might be out next week for some reason. I can't remember what, what do you have going on next week, but uh, I, best wishes to you all. Enjoy the wedding. Enjoy the honeymoon. That time is going to go by really fast, uh, but it's a great experience. It should be, it'll, you know, something you'll never forget. So chiefs news aside on a personal note, Congratulations, man. It's going to be fun. I, I appreciate you, Stags. And yeah, you know, that's why you know, I'm just in my feelings a little bit, right? You know, it's, it's a time to be in the feelings. That's that's all it is. And and maybe I'm buttering up the listeners a little bit because I won't be here next week. So don't hate me as, you know, we're getting into the regular season. But that's the thing, you know, as much as I love my beautiful fiance, Andrea, these Chiefs, this wedding was planned on the Saturday after the third preseason game. The honeymoon, I get back before week one. You know where I'm at, Chiefs fans. I I, I plan that for a reason because I want to be covering my favorite team and, and doing it, um, you know, continue to do a great job for you people. So, I don't know. I, I My priorities are, are, are pretty in line, Stag. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, I, I it wasn't a coincidence that this wedding fall on this weekend fall. Absolutely. It feels like a good place to stop. We will talk to you all next week with another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. At least I will. Ron will be out enjoying himself, having the time of his life. Uh, He'll be back the following week uh, as we talk about this team heading into the regular season. So stay tuned. Lots of more great content coming up. We appreciate you all, and we'll talk to you again soon. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org slash future to learn more and support their cause.